This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We're thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant antitrust attorney, Holden Brooks. We're particularly thrilled to talk to Holden today because so many antitrust issues have been evolving and working themselves through the healthcare landscape. There's been more and more FTC and Department of Justice attacks on health system mergers, uh, sort of stopping health systems from merging. Uh, there's also been a recent proposal by the FTC that would outlaw non-compete covenants against competition, and, and there's a, a whole host of other issues as well. Holden, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Then we'll ask about what issues you're watching most closely currently from an antitrust healthcare perspective. Sure. Well, I am so happy to be here today. I've really been looking forward to this. Um, I am a partner in McGuire-Woods Chicago office in our antitrust practice group, and I have done probably between 75 and 90% of my work in the healthcare space, mostly on the provider side uh, for the past 10, 15 years or so. So it's an area that's, that's near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I have never witnessed as much change and introduction of uncertainty as I have seen in the last six months to a year. So you're correct that, you know, antitrust is, is suddenly something that people are paying attention to and, and need to pay attention to. I was on a panel yesterday at our private equity and uh, healthcare conference, and I'm afraid I monopolized my panel because there was honestly so much to um, get across. And I feel very strongly about making sure that the provider community in particular knows about this because they, they really are monumental changes that affect how they operate day to day, how they think about their compliance programs, and you know, really what their risk profile is in the, the healthcare market today. And talk about what are a couple of those antitrust issues that you're keeping your eye most closely on? Well, you know, one thing that happened exactly a month ago today on February 3rd is that the Department of Justice Antitrust Division withdrew the statements of antitrust enforcement in healthcare, which go all the way back to 1996, and also a policy statement around antitrust connected to MSSP um, ACOs from 2011. So, uh, you know, I cannot overestimate the amount of advice that I gave in the course of my career that relied on those 1996 statements of antitrust enforcement in healthcare. Um, and so the fact that they are gone um, really, I think, occasions a need for people to revisit, just to, in a confirmatory sense, a lot of the arrangements that they may have in place that involve collaboration with other providers. So I'm talking about clinically integrated networks. I'm talking about risk-based arrangements. I'm talking about any kind of industry association uh, that involves benchmarking and sharing of competitively sensitive information like, uh, you know, certain employee compensation information, et cetera, joint ventures, you know, anything that a provider does that involves that sort of collaboration with non-commonly controlled providers in their area, I think really probably should get a second look from an antitrust attorney and, now. And, and hold on, let me ask you this question. Why does the FTC, Department of Justice, why do they retract these? What, what drives them to think that that makes sense? What's the policy well, thought behind getting rid of these? 
Well, I mean, the explanation is that it's in service of transparency, right? Because in fact, withdrawing these healthcare statements, which which were issued to give some level of certainty and predictability to providers who wanted to collaborate, basically what the healthcare statements lay out is, you know, here's some examples of things that we, you know, barring some extraordinary circumstances, we're not going to come after you for, right? Like here's a, here's a map for how to do things in the right way. And, you know, I don't know where you were, Scott, in 1996. You know, I had a cell phone that looked like a brick. Uh, it was a long time ago and, and life looks different. And certainly the healthcare landscape looks very different now than it did in 1996. And so the DOJ's retraction is really motivated by, look, this guidance that we gave you all back in 1996 does not apply to today's world. We don't want you relying on it in a way and then being surprised when we initiate enforcement actions against you. So in some ways, it's in service of that transparency. And what they've said is that instead of giving you these guidelines, maps, safety zones, et cetera, you should be on notice that we're looking at things on a case-by-case basis. So in some ways, it's as they're doing a favor to providers by, you know, telling them what time it is with respect to how antitrust enforcement is going to work. But let me ask you a follow-up question to that. It seems like, and, and it's hard to tell, of course, because we you read the headlines in a vacuum sometimes. It seems like the FTC Department of Justice is a little more active in trying to stop mergers and trying to issue this guidance that would outlaw non-compete covenants. Is it a sense that they're more active? What's your sense? Is that a, a purposeful bent of the administration to be more well, active? Ab- what's your sense of what you're seeing out there? Well, absolutely, and they've made no secret of it. So in July of 2021, President Biden issued an executive order and basically said to the FTC and the DOJ, the two top federal antitrust enforcers, you know, I expect you to take a stronger stance enforcement-wise in a lot of areas, and one of them is healthcare. And this has been true for a long time, that there is a perception at the FTC and the DOJ that antitrust enforcement in healthcare is very important because from their perspective, more competition yields better quality, yields more efficiency, yields lower costs, of course, better patient experience, access, et cetera. So there's a presumption that more competition in healthcare is good for patients, good for society, and that you can get a lot of, you know, bang for your enforcement buck by pursuing enforcement actions in healthcare. And you're correct. It's it's, it's the hospital mergers, it's the health system mergers that people hear about, but it's also things like investigating the contracting conduct of health systems. I think that the withdrawal of the healthcare statements, which are focused on collaborative activities and information sharing, also portends a, an increase in enforcement activity at the physician practice level. So the, I think that physician practice level is a particular area of focus right now because there's a sense that the roll-up strategies that we've seen in the last few years have resulted in a great deal of consolidation which has resulted in a loss of competition, increase in, of, of prices, et cetera. So I think that the withdrawal of these statements is really a warning shot that they are going to be looking into and perhaps going after conduct that they, you know, that, that previously has sort of puttered along 
without too much scrutiny. And I think that's it's going to be at the physician practice level. No, and that's a fascinating perspective. And I'll sort of touch on three quick things that touch that roll off of things that you had said. On, on the physician level, it's a fascinating situation because there's been a tremendous amount of consolidation. There's a lot less number of independent physician practices. There are a lot of people trying to employ physicians besides health systems, and this is putting more and more stress on health systems. Some of the parties trying to employ physicians, of course, are some of the largest payers and pharmacy chains in the country. So you've got that one issue. Second on physician side is you've got this tremendous shortage of physicians. And, and this, this shortage of physicians, we've got about a million one physicians for 330 million people. A ton of those physicians are working part-time. And we're just about where there's just not enough physicians. So as different systems and companies gobble up those physicians, there's just, there, there's just not a lot of slack in the system. There's just not enough doctors. And it seems like attacking it through the antitrust policies is one concept, but more importantly is expanding residency programs and, and really developing a pathway to both create more physicians and migrate more physicians and so forth and so on. So that's sort of one thought on the physician side. So as the, as the FTC DOJ go after this, in some ways they're going after it in a vacuum because there's much bigger problems afloat, which is just not enough physicians in total. The second thing that comes out of your discussion, Holden, I think it's fascinating on the hospital and health system side, because hospitals and health systems feel like they are financially just, again, in a daunting position, getting killed financially, like UPMC just announced a billion-dollar loss this last year, IU Health and any result, the $715 million loss this, this year, and the drumbeat goes on across systems across the country. So I think in some ways, hospitals and health systems feel like they may be under attack at the same time that the parties they contract with are getting bigger and stronger. But I, but I guess that the reality is, Holden, the FTC DOJ look at this in somewhat of a vacuum. They look at it from an antitrust perspective specifically, not the entire market conditions of these actors. And any sense of that? Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I do think that the more entities like AHA, and uh, which, by the way, I submitted a tremendous comment to the FTC last week, uh, in connection with the Federal Trade Commission non-compete proposed rule that you mentioned, um, you know, to, to the extent that our advocacy organizations, in addition to you know the organizations of like community-based physicians and various specialties, et cetera, can bring these issues to the attention of the regulators, I think that is going to be a huge benefit. And they should be listening, and they are listening. They do hold listening sessions. Uh, I think they are open to, uh, you know, feedback from from providers. But, you know, I think that you've hit on something, too, which is that I think this would be just a, a general maybe criticism of the antitrust regulators right now is that th there does need to be more of like a, a, a 360 degree perspective of the, the issues that they're trying to uh, manage. I'll give you an example. The non-compete rule would ban non-competes being included in the sale of business, except to individuals who have a significant equity stake, which is currently pegged at 25%, right? So if you're selling a physician practice under the proposed rule, the selling physicians could not have a non-compete applied to them in the context of the sale unless they had over 25% equity interest. Well, there's a very smart comment that's been submitted to the FTC from my perspective, uh, that talks about how this is going to uh, really hobble um, the ability of community-based physician practices to 
you know, enter into transactions other than joining a hospital system. So if you make it difficult for freestanding physician practices to sell themselves, then you will end up with a lot less care being delivered in the community-based context and, you know, perhaps higher health care costs as a result. So I think it's real-world business issues like that that the folks on the provider side can bring to the attention of the regulators that's really going to make a difference in how they approach policy. Because right now, I think, again, it's a presumption that more competition is going to benefit society. And I think there may be some sort of unintended consequences of that perspective in, in healthcare. Yes, and I don't think that disagree that more competition benefits society. The challenge being that you really have to look at who's contracting with who. You've got these health systems contracting with these big payers. The big payers are now top 10 largest companies in the United States. And compared to the health systems, they have tremendous power. And it's sort of, it's not just health systems versus consumers and health systems being strong in a market. But who they're really getting paid by is these big payers. And it just seems like there is just a tremendous market imbalance there. And so if you stop health systems from aggregating, they're left where they're really at the mercy of a lot of these payers who have become providers as well. It's really a, a sort of fascinating, fascinating situation that we watch. Holden, anything else you wanted to share with us today? Uh, and then we'd love to have you back to talk further about the you know, trust issues in healthcare because it seems to be taking up more and more space in people's minds as to what's going on out there. So the one thing we spent a lot of time talking about the feds today, and the one thing I really do want to highlight for people, and and I'll just preview that we at McGuire Woods are about to start a new sort of alerter series or or blog that's going to highlight developments on the state enforcer side. So we're going to be. Um, making sure that we're uh, on top of new state laws, like the laws that are currently affecting states like Oregon and Washington that require uh, a filing, like an HSR type filing with the state attorney general or health authority before you can pursue a transaction, even very small transactions. You know, for our clients in the, you know, physician practice transaction space, this has become a huge issue. And there are many, many states right now that are, that have these laws that are potentially going to be put on the books in the course of the next year. So I, I think that that's, um, you know, watching where the state legislation is creating uh, regulatory issues is very important. And also just watching out for state attorney generals to take up more of the regulatory enforcement burden with respect to, to health care. I think they're going to get in the mix a little bit more in the next year. So so that's where I, I, you know, I think there's a lot to watch on the federal level. And I think the what the states are doing is going to become increasingly important. No, but that's really, really important. So there's more and more states that are regulating all kinds of transactions and all kinds of sort of like mini Hart Scott Rodino requirements or approvals needed before doing a transaction. Uh, I, I know we've seen a lot of that. I think it's either in Washington State or Oregon State. And there's there's more and more of that where different states are having to clear transactions and being more aggressive about blocking transactions and so forth, where they feel there will be antitrust issues. Again, Holden, thank you so much for joining us on the Becker Healthcare Podcast. Again, Holden Brooks, brilliant antitrust partner at McGuire Woods. Thank you so much for being with us today. So happy to be with you today. Take care.